Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is July 23rd. The uprising of 1967 is also known as the Detroit Rebellion of 1967 and the 12th Street Riot. It began following a police raid on an unlicensed bar known locally as the Blind Pig. Over the course of five days, the Detroit Police and Fire Departments, the Michigan State Police, the Michigan National Guard, and the U.S. Army were involved in quelling what became the largest civil disturbance of 20th century America. The crisis resulted in 43 deaths, hundreds of injuries, and almost 1,700 fires, and over 7,000 arrests. The insurrection was a culmination of decades of institutional racism and entrenched segregation. For much of the 20th century, the city of Detroit was a booming manufacturing center, attracting workers, both black and white, from southern states. This diversity aggravated civil strife, and the race riot of 1943 highlighted the racial fault lines that crisscrossed the city. Throughout the 1950s, homeowners associations, aided by the mayors Albert Cobo and Louis Mariani, battled against integrating neighborhoods and schools. De-industrialization within the city limits took many jobs out to outlying communities, even as a number of auto companies went out of business. The east side of Detroit alone lost over 70,000 jobs in the decade following World War II. Construction of the city's freeways, newer housing, and the prospect of further integration due to the demolition of the city's two main black neighborhoods, Black Bottom and Paradise Valley, caused many whites to depart for the suburbs. From 1950 to 1960, Detroit lost almost 20% of its population. Virginia Park rapidly transformed from a predominantly Jewish neighborhood to primarily black neighborhood by 1967. The new epicenter of black retail in Detroit became 12th Street, now called Rosa Parks Boulevard, a strip which also supported a lively, illicit nightlife. According, adding tensions was the black community's fractious relationship with the mostly white Detroit Police Department. Like many forces across the country, the department was known for heavy-handed tactics and antagonistic arrest pilot practices particularly toward black citizens. At 3.15 a.m. on the 23rd, the vice squad of Detroit Police Department executed a raid on the Blind Pig at 12th Street in Claremont. Despite the late hour, the avenue was full of people attempting to stay cool amidst a stifling heat wave. As the police escorted partygoers to the precinct for booking, a crowd gathered at the situation grew increasingly antagonistic. When the final arrestees were loaded into police vans, a brick shattered at the rear window of a police cruiser, prompting a rash of break-ins, burglaries, and eventually arson. Law enforcement was immediately overwhelmed. While the department had 4,700 officers, only about 200 were on duty at that hour. Early efforts to regain control failed, and a quarantine of the neighborhood was imposed. Hoping to ease the tensions, Mayor Jerome Cavanaugh ordered that looters not be shot. As the word of his order spread, so did looting. The Michigan State Police and National Guard arrived to reinforce police and fire units. Clashes between the mayor and Governor George Romney, both of whom had presidential aspirations, had in President Lyndon B. Johnson increased confusion and delayed the deployment of federal troops. By the end of the first two days, fires and looting were reported across the city. Additionally, the mass theft of firearms and other weaponry turned Detroit in, into an urban war zone. Sniper fire sowed fear and hindered firefighting and police efforts. The arrival of battle-tested federal troops on Tuesday the 25th brought order. 
For many people, the uprising was a turning point for the city. White flight in 1967 doubled to over 40,000 and doubled again the next year. Yet many Detroiters remained. The city saw a massive growth in activism and community engagement. New Detroit and Focus, Hope, were both founded in the aftermath with the goal of addressing root causes of the disorder. As the city's demographics continued to shift, Detroiters elected the first black mayor in the city's history, Coleman A. Young. In July 1975, inflation raised to a point of 9%. $1 in 1974 was equivalent in purchasing power to about $1.09 in 1975. The dollar had an average inflation rate of 9.13% per year between 1974 and 75, producing a cumulative price increase of 9.13%. Purchasing power decreased by 9.13% in 75 compared to 74. On average, you would have to spend 9.13% more money in 75 than 74 for the same item. That means that prices in 1975 are 1.09 times higher than average prices since 1974, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Price Index. The inflation rate in 1974 was 11%. The inflation rate in 1975 was 9.13%. The inflation rate is higher compared to the average inflation rate of 3.7 per year between 1975 and 2022. Inflation rate is calculated by change in the consumer price index. The CPI in 1975 was about 53.8. It was 49.3 the previous year, 1974. The difference between CPI between the years is used by the Bureau of Labor Statistics to officially determine inflation. To help put this inflation into perspective, if we had invested $1 in the S&P 500 index in 1974, our investment would nominally be worth approximately $1.10 in 1975. This return on investment is 9.86% with an absolute return of 10% on top of the original dollar. Those numbers are not inflation adjusted, so they are considered nominal. In order to evaluate the real return on our investment, we must calculate the return with inflation taken into account. The compounding effect of inflation would have would account for 8.36% of returns, or $0.09 cents, during that period. This means the inflation-adjusted real return of our dollar is actually one penny. You may also want to account for capital gains, which would take your real return down to about $0 for most people. And then finally, in July 23, 1885, just after completing his memoirs, Civil War hero and former President Ulysses S. Grant died of throat cancer. The son of a tanner, Grant showed little enthusiasm for joining his father's business, so the elder Grant enrolled his son at West Point in 1839. Though Grant later admitted in his memoirs that he had no interest in the military apart from honoring honing his equestrian skills, he graduated in 1843 and went on to serve first in the Mexican-American War, which he opposed on moral grounds, and then in California and Oregon, tours of duty that forced him to leave behind his beloved children and wife. The loneliness and sheer boredom of duty in the West drove Grant to bench drinking. By 1854, Grant's alcohol consumption so alarmed his superiors that he was asking, asked to resign from the Army. He did, and returned to Missouri to try his hand at farming and land speculation. Although he kicked the alcohol habit, he failed miserably at both vocations was forced to take a job as a clerk in his father's tanning business. If it were not for the Civil War, Grant might have slipped quickly into obscurity. Instead, he re-enlisted in the Army in 1861 and embarked on a stellar military career, although his tendency to binge drink re-emerged and he developed another unhealthy habit, chain-smoking cigars, which probably caused the throat cancer that eventually killed him. 
1862, Grant led troops in the captures of Forts Henry and Donelson in Tennessee and forced the Confederate Army to retreat back into Mississippi after the Battle of Shiloh. After the Donelson campaign, Grant received over 10,000 boxes of congratulatory cigars from grateful citizenry. In 1863, after leading the Union Army to victory at Vicksburg, Grant caught President Abraham Lincoln's attention. The Union Army had suffered under the service of a series of incompetent generals, and Lincoln was in the market for a new Union Supreme Commander. In March of 1864, Lincoln revived the rank of Lieutenant General, a rank that had previously been held only by George Washington in 1798, and gave it to Grant. As a Supreme Commander of the Union Forces, Grant led troops in a series of epic and bloody battles against the Confederate General Robert E. Lee. On April 9, 1865, Lee, Lee surrendered to Grant at Appomattox Courthouse. The victory solidified Grant's status as a national hero, and in 1869, he began his first of two terms as president. Grant's talent as political leader paled woefully in comparison to his military prowess. He was unable to stem the rampant corruption that plagued his administration and failed to combat a severe economic depression in 1873. However, successes of Grant's tenure include passage of the Enforcement Act in 1870, which temporarily curtailed the political influence of the Ku Klux Klan in the post-Civil War South, and the 1875 Civil Rights Act, which attempted to desegregate public places such as restrooms, inns, public conveyances on land or water, theaters, and other places of public amusement. In addition, Grant helped to improve the U.S. and British diplomatic relations, which had been damaged by the British offer to supply the Confederate Army with tools to break the Union naval blockade during the Civil War. He also managed to stay sober during his two terms in office. Upon leaving office, Grant's fortunes again declined. Although he and his wife Julia traveled to Europe between 1877 and 79, amid great fanfare, the couple came home to bankruptcy caused by Grant's unwise investment in a scandal-prone banking firm. Grant spent the last few years of his life writing a detailed account of the Civil War, and after he died of throat cancer in 1885, Julia lived on the royalties earned from his memoirs. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com The Detroit Riots at DetroitHistorical.org USA Inflation at 9% at www.in2013dollars.com and Ulysses S. Grant dies at history.com. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing, as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.